European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 39, Issue 23, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Revisiting angina pectoris with and without obstructive coronary artery disease. Angina pectoris is one of the most common symptoms in cardiology. Initially, this was exclusively associated with obstructive coronary artery disease. More recently, it was recognised that patients may present with signs of ischemia but non-obstructed coronary arteries, the so-called inoka. Of note, even patients presenting as acute coronary syndromes may have myocardial infarction with non-obstructed coronary arteries, or minoka, a condition distinct from Tarkotsubo syndrome that may present similarly. These conditions have been traditionally associated with microvascular disorders, although the exact causes are still elusive. Furthermore, the long-term prognosis of angina in patients without obstructive coronary artery disease is uncertain. The latter aspect is addressed in a meta-analysis entitled Determinants of Long-Term Clinical Outcomes in Patients with Angina but Without Obstructive Coronary Artery Disease, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis, by Raffaele de Caterina and colleagues from the Ospedale SS Annunziati in Chieti, Italy. The authors identified 54 studies reporting outcomes in 35,039 such patients. After five years, the incidence of the primary outcome was 0.98 per 100 person years, with considerable heterogeneity among studies. The primary outcome was associated with dyslipidemia, diabetes, and hypertension. Ischemia, documented by non-invasive imaging techniques, was associated with a higher incidence of events. Overall, these patients had frequent recurrent hospitalization. Thus, angina without obstructive coronary artery disease has a heterogeneous prognosis. A main determinant of major adverse events appears to be the presence of non-obstructive coronary plaques, while myocardial ischemia may be related to microvascular dysfunction. Effective management of these patients needs to be evaluated in future trials. HIV-positive persons have increased cardiovascular event rates, but the prevalence of subclinical atherosclerosis compared to HIV-negative individuals is still uncertain. In their article, Subclinical Coronary Artery Disease in Swiss HIV-Positive and HIV-Negative Persons, Philip E. Tarr and colleagues from the Swiss HIV cohort study assessed subclinical atherosclerosis utilising coronary artery calcium scoring and coronary CT angiography in 428 HIV-positive participants and 276 HIV-negative controls. HIV-positive participants were younger than HIV-negative participants, but had similar 10-year Framingham risk scores, as were coronary artery calcium scores, and the prevalence of non-calcified mixed or high-risk plaque. Surprisingly, HIV-positive participants had a lower prevalence of calcified plaque than HIV-negative ones, lower coronary segment severity score, and lower segment involvement score. Advanced immunosuppression was associated with non-calcified or mixed plaque. Thus, 
In today's medical environment, HIV-positive individuals have a similar degree of non-calcified mixed plaque and high-risk plaques, less calcified coronary plaques, and a lower coronary atherosclerosis involvement and severity scores than HIV-negative subjects with similar Framingham risk scores. These surprising findings are put into context in an editorial by Bruno R. Cotter from the University of California San Diego Health System in La Yola, California, USA. With the increasing recognition of inflammation as a major component of atherosclerosis and coronary artery disease, the incidence of angina and infarction in inflammatory disease has raised a lot of interest. Indeed, rheumatoid arthritis is associated with a twofold elevated risk of cardiovascular mortality. Of note, Rheumatoid arthritis patients present with systemic inflammation, including raised circulating myeloid cells, but no cardiovascular risk factors, particularly dyslipidemia. In their article, Defective Cholesterol Metabolism in Hematopoietic Stem Cells Promotes Monocyte-Driven Atherosclerosis in Rheumatoid Arthritis, Andrew James Murphy and colleagues from Baker IDI Heart and Diabetes Institute in Melbourne, Australia, explored whether increased circulating myeloid cells are associated with impaired atherosclerotic lesion regression or altered progression in two mouse models of rheumatoid arthritis. Of note, monocytosis, neutrophilia, and thrombocytosis were prominent and due to enhanced proliferation of the hematopoietic stem and progenitor cells in bone marrow and spleen. Hematopoietic stem and progenitor cells expansion was associated with increased cholesterol content due to downregulation of the cholesterol efflux genes APOE, ABCA1, and ABCG1. Hematopoietic stem and progenitor cells expressed key myeloid-promoting growth factor receptors. Further, inflammation altered cellular cholesterol metabolism. Increased myeloid cells were associated with impaired lesion regression in rheumatoid mice, even though cholesterol levels were equivalent to non-arthritic mice. Also, their lesions exhibited a less stable phenotype. In a progression model, monocytosis, Enhanced monocytes recruitment and increased plaque macrophages was reversed by reconstituted high-density lipoprotein. Importantly, rheumatoid arthritis patients had expanded CD16 plus monocyte subsets and downregulation of ABCA1 and ABCG1. Thus, rheumatoid arthritis impairs atherosclerotic regression or even favors progression due to expansion of myeloid cells and disturbed cellular cholesterol handling. Whether cholesterol reduction in rheumatoid arthritis, even within normal levels, may limit vascular disease is discussed in an editorial by Laurent-Yvain Charvet from INSEM U1065, Université Côte d'Azur in Nice, France. Scavenger receptor class B type 1, or SRB1, is a major receptor for high-density lipoprotein, or HDL, that promotes hepatic uptake of cholesterol. Although considered protective, HDL may become dysfunctional as patients develop coronary artery disease or infarction. Nevertheless, mutations in SRB1 may play a role. 
a hypothesis that is tested in the article Rare SCARB1 Mutations Associate with High-Density Lipoprotein Cholesterol But Not with Coronary Artery Disease by Hilma Holm and colleagues from Decode Genetics Incorporated in Reykjavik, Iceland. Indeed, a rare mutation in the gene encoding SRB1, SCARB1, is associated with elevated HDL cholesterol and increased risk of coronary artery disease, suggesting that increased HDL cholesterol due to an SRB1 mutation might be a marker of risk. Using a large resource of whole genome sequenced Icelanders, they identified 13 SCARB1 mutations and examined their association with HDL cholesterol in 136,672 individuals. Three rare SCARB1 mutations, encoding PG319V, PV111M, and PV32M, associated with elevated levels of HDL cholesterol, but not with coronary artery disease. Furthermore, HDL cholesterol-raising alleles of three common SCARB1 non-coding variants that associate with higher HDL cholesterol do not confer increased risk of coronary artery disease. Thus, increased HDL cholesterol due to genetically compromised SRB1 function is not a marker of coronary artery disease risk. The manuscript is further discussed in a thoughtful editorial by Ulf Landmesser from the Charité Universitätsmedizin in Berlin, Germany. Besides percutaneous coronary interventions, bypass surgery is the most important revascularization procedure. In general, cardiac surgery is associated with a certain risk that should be evaluated as precisely as possible by the responsible heart team. In 2009, age, creatinine, and ejection fraction were combined to the ACEF score and recommended by the most recent guidelines for myocardial revascularization of the European Society of Cardiology and Association for Cardiothoracic Surgery. In their article, the ACEF2 risk score for cardiac surgery, updated but still parsimonious, Marco Ranucci and colleagues from the IRCCS Policlinico S. Donato in Milan, Italy, introduce the updated ACEF2, which includes emergency surgery and preoperative anemia, into the score. The score was developed in 7,011 patients, operated at a single institution, and validated in 1,687 patients operated in a different institution. Discrimination of the ACEF2 score was significantly better than the ACEF and equal to the Euroscore 2. Thus, the ACEF2 allows the inclusion of emergency patients and of anemia with more adequate prediction. The value of this new score is critically discussed in an editorial by Sir Magdi Yacoub from Imperial College London in the UK. Risk refers to unintended clinical events during or after surgery or interventions. Proper definition of such events is particularly important in clinical trials aiming to reduce their occurrence with novel therapeutic strategies. This is addressed in the article entitled Standardized Endpoints Definitions for Coronary Intervention Trials, the Academic Research Consortium 2 Consensus Document, 
by Hector Manuel Garcia Garcia from the MedStar Washington Hospital Center in the USA. The Academic Research Consortium, or ARC2, revisited these definitions to make them more suitable for clinical trials, including complex lesion and patient populations or novel devices. This ARC2 document provides further standardization of endpoint definitions that will aid the interpretation of trial outcomes and comparison among studies. In spite of all the medical, interventional, and surgical options to treat angina, some patients suffer from treatment or refractory angina. Gene therapy, growth factors, apheresis, and stem cells have been tested in such individuals with different results. As autologous CD34-positive cells may still represent an attractive option for the treatment of refractory angina, Timothy D. Henry and colleagues from the Minneapolis Heart Institute Foundation at Abbott Northwestern Hospital in Minnesota, USA, present a meta-analysis entitled Autologous CD34-Positive Cell Therapy Improves Exercise Capacity, Angina Frequency, and Reduces Mortality in No-Option Refractory Angina, a Patient-Level Pooled Analysis of Randomized Double-Blinded Trials. Three double-blinded randomized trials with 304 patients compared the effects of intramyocardial autologous CD34-positive cells with placebo injections on total exercise time, angina frequency, and major adverse cardiac events, or MACE. Autologous CD34-positive cells improved total exercise time by 46.6 seconds at 3 months. 49.5 seconds at 6 months, and 44.7 seconds at 12 months. Also, the relative frequency of angina decreased over time. Importantly, autologous CD34-positive cells decreased mortality from 12.1% to 2.5% and tended to reduce MACE at 24 months. Thus, Autologous CD34-positive cells provide meaningful improvements in exercise time and angina frequency up to 12 months. The implications of these findings are assessed in an editorial by Thomas Thum from the Hanover Medical School in Germany. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers. <laughs>